0: go badly. I've printed it out just in case, don't worry. (laughs) There's probably some people thinking well if his iPad conks out maybe it'll be a shorter sermon this week. (laughs) Okay. Well um, the Lord's encouraged me and I want to encourage you in turn. Um, the Lord loves you and the Lord has more for you uh, and that's, that's part of my message this morning that I want to share for you is that God has more for you than what you have right now and it doesn't matter how much you have right now he's definitely got more for you Okay? you might say well I've got a lot well he's got twice as much hundred times more to give uh, and he wants to pour out on us um, as I was preparing, I I, I I tend to get nowhere when I prepare. <laughs> I don't know why. I tend to, to spend a lot of time just um, trying to read my Bible and trying to pray and falling asleep, <laughs> waking up again. And, <laughs> uh, and the only thing that really struck me was uh, <clears throat> Matthew five. If you want to turn with it, turn turn with me. You can. There's going to be a lot. Of, you you might as well dig out your Bible because there's going to be a lot of Bible today. Um, Matthew 5, verse 1 1 to 6. Uh, It's the Sermon on the Mount, or the Beatitudes. Uh, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up onto the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And uh, <clears throat> it's funny. The, the, the first thing that, that, that struck me there was blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, And I thought, I don't actually know what that means. (laughs) I think I know what it means, but I'm not sure. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is it to be poor in spirit? Uh, Uh, I'm going to give you a little definition. Poor means a deficit or diminished quantity or volume of something. Some suggest that a person who is poor in spirit is one who admits not to have sufficient embodiment of the spirit. That person is therefore not pompous, nor do they make the spirit, or nor do they take the spirit for granted. They always yearn for more. They're always willing to learn and be led by the spirit. Uh, and that's very different from just saying someone who's poor and has nothing. Uh, that's an attitude. Uh, being poor in spirit. Um, and God is bringing me to that place where I'm, I'm realising that I am actually quite poor in spirit. <laughs> uh, and you might say, well, you're, you're a church leader. Oh, you, you, shouldn't be, you should be rich in spirit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the truth is, I've, I'm realising more and more that I am poor in spirit. I don't have enough of God there is more in God than what I have and this is the place that God is bringing me to and it's not saying that I'm not born again it's not saying that I'm not filled with the spirit it's not saying that I don't know God it's not saying those things at all but what it's saying is I understand and I realise that what there is of God I only have a tiny bit there is a lot more Uh, and I I just want to encourage you that our church, there is more for this river church than what we have right now what we have in God, we are not experiencing the fullness of God yet (laughs) and the full fullness of God, I mean I think your head would probably pop off if if you got it all, but What I'm trying to say is, I I really believe there's more. Uh, And do you know what, I've been happy for a long time with what I've got and then part of me in the background has been unhappy that I know there's more and I want more of God but I've not been doing anything about it. And uh, I think God is bringing our church into a place where he wants us to get hungry for God. And Tim's been talking about it and he's been talking... With, with us as leaders about it and, and, you know, I'm starting to catch it. You know, there's more of God than what I have. <laughs> Amen? Uh, <clears throat> and what I'm saying is there's a lack in me and there's a lack in us. Are we seeing the full power of what, what we read in our Bibles? Day by day in our lives? And I would, I'd say the honest truth for me is if, I, if I'm being honest I'm not seeing it all, but I want to. I want to. And uh, <clears throat> when I was speaking with, uh, with with some elders in another church in Reading, I was one, one elder. I was chatting with him, and I, and I was saying things aren't the same as what they were when you you guys were were young, and and we don't experience the Spirit in the same way that you did. <laughs> and I, I was saying, what's <laughs> You know, i was just having a bit of a moment, you know. And, um, and he said, do you know what? When, when, when God really turned our church inside out, he said, we used to have three midweek meetings. And he said, you wouldn't miss one of them. Not because you felt like you, you, you had to be there, but because you didn't want to miss out on what God was doing. And I thought, wow. Joyce will tell you. <laughs> I thought, wow, well. I'm not that hungry right now for God, and there is more than what I'm experiencing. And I'm not saying we have to have three meetings a week just to try and force it to happen. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> but what I am saying is, there's something, and we've got to go for it, and we've got to go for it together. Amen. And so I, I, I thought to myself, what, what to do? God, how do we do this? Because my my personal experience is getting pumped up for God. You know, lasts about a week. (laughs) I'm going to pray every day twice as much as I do. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. It lasts about a week. And I find myself absolutely flat on the floor as a failure. Worse off than I started. (laughs) So there must be something. What can I do? Well, I was just saying, God, how do I increase my desire for you? How do I increase my desire for you? And uh, I, I just feel that God's showing me a few things, just a star, you know. And I'm not saying I'm there, but I'm saying he's showing me a star. And uh, I'd like to share with you some of those things. Uh, that he's, he's, he's showing me. How do I get closer to God? You know, because this is my real desire in my heart. How do I get closer to God? How do I have that really deep relationship with God? That's what I really want. Because I know that all the other things, they don't, really, they don't really cut it, do they? And you can try whatever you like. And once you've been around the block a few times, you know that everything's just like the last thing. It won't really satisfy. Only God will. How can I be closer to him? How can I know him better? You know, and this is the sort of things that's rolling around my mind at the moment. Uh, and I hope I hope it stirs something up in you. This is what God's showing me. Uh, he's showing me this. Right, let's read let's read something together. 2 Chronicles 7. Should we look that up? Flick around a little bit. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. Where's Chronicles? <laughs> Old Testament. Okay, that's a good start. <laughs> uh. I'm not trying to be mystical and say we should always think, "Oh, I haven't got it," and be chasing after something that we don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that. You know, be be satisfied in where you are. In well, maybe don't be satisfied, but um, seek him. But you know, don't 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 think that I'm trying to. You know, I'm not trying to say you're not there. <laughs> um, so, 2 Chronicles 7:14. Now. <clears throat> This is when, when Solomon has built the temple and, um, and he's finished the temple. He's ready. And uh, God comes and speaks to him in a dream and he says this. If, if my people who are called by, no, my, by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from, from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to their prayers offered in this place. Do you know what? That's the, that's the place I want to get into where God's ear is turned to me. How about that? Where God's given me his full attention. Maybe he's always given me his full attention and I'm not in the right place. I don't know. But this is what I want, That close, this closeness. And doesn't, doesn't the temp, God's temple represent the intimate place, the Holy of Holies, that that intimate place with God. The temple is the place where God's spirit lives and his presence is. And, and that's the place that I want to be in more and more and more. So what does it say? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Now it says other things too, but what the, the bit I want to pick up on is... Will you humble yourself? Will you humble yourself? And this is a this is it's a big ask. <laughs> Will you humble yourself? Uh, because that's the way in to God. Now let's look at it. Shall we look? We'll look at it together. What is humility? What is it? You might think, well, I sort of, you know, maybe. Not pushing yourself in front of others. Uh, being a bit self-deprecating, maybe. Um, and what, what I'm discovering when I'm reading my Bible is that humility isn't always quite what we think it is. In fact, it's sometimes very different. Now, to, to, to describe what humility is, I think sometimes it's it is better to try and describe what it is not. Okay? Okay? It's not self pity. My life's lame. That's not humility. That's being a bit depressed. Okay? My my life's lame. Self pity. It's not even this self degradation. I'm rubbish. Everything I'm not very good. How, we can do that can't we oh no. no brother you're so much better than me I'm a, I'm a bit lame Ah, oh, you don't want me to do it I'm not talented and you know what this is this is false humility this isn't really humility what, this is like an inverted pride it, it is different it's not humility sometimes while we're doing that we're actually fishing aren't we Oh, no, no, I'm no good. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm not very good at that. You you know what I mean, right? But really, when we look at those two things, the centre of those two things is self. self Self-pity. Self-degradation. The king of those two things is self. And what we find out in real humility is the absence of self. It's to say, I don't really matter here. (laughs) It's not about me. That's true humility. You know, humility... Let's read what I wrote. In fact, the best way to describe humility is the ability to cast self completely aside and realise it's not about me. It is to put God first and put others' needs and feelings above your own. That's what real humility is. To be humble is to recognise the gifts God has given you, and to use them for his glory. Not to pretend you don't have them. You know, pretending you don't have God's gifts is an insult to God. And it's to put your own self in front of what God has given you. And you mustn't do it. If God's given you something, it's okay. You know? Humility is submitting to God and God's given authority and serve others. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? Cuz it's you know, God's perfect at least. But sometimes the people he puts in authority aren't. <laughs> but humility says, you know what? God's put them there. Not for me to bash them, but me to get behind them. And that can be hard when sometimes you're struggling with those people. But that, that is part of humility, saying, it's not about me. It's about what God's doing. And I want to get behind the church. Not because I agree with everything, but because it's God's church. You know, God can work with people like that. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, humility is the opposite to pride. Pride says, I know best. Humility says, let me learn from others. Pride says this, it says, I want to be king. Humility says, let me serve you. Pride says, I don't need anybody. Humility says, I can't do anything without God. I can't do anything. And I need my brothers too. That's what real humility says. And I'll submit myself to my brothers. Because maybe I'm not right. Right. You know, right? Let's have a look at another verse, Philippians two. If you go to right to the start of Philippians two, let's read. Uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Well, I'll tell you what, that is completely different from the message you'll get from this world. The message you get from this world is you've got to put yourself first, you've got to make sure you're happy. And guess who's the captain of that sentence? Self. And do you know what? It leads down to absolute misery if you focus on it. Yet God is looking for humble people and He'll fill them with His joy. You know, when, when, if you meet someone who's really humble, they're normally quite happy. You know, and they're not worried about themselves, they're bothered about everybody else. What, what they can do to help. And there's a joy in it. And so I want to encourage you, if you're finding things tough and, and, and joy is not a, a mainstay in your life, maybe think about humility. Think about others and see what happens to you. Let's continue reading. In your relationships with others, have the same mindset as, as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. If you're looking for a humble man, you don't have to look further than Jesus. He's incredible, really. Not a, a more humble man walked the earth. Okay. Right. Uh, I I wanna take you to a story which is do you know what? It's one of those really odd stories that I didn't remember at all. Uh, it's in Numbers. We're gonna read about a man. A man called Moses. And his brother and sister, called Miriam uh, and Aaron. Okay, let's have a look. Numbers twelve. Now, Moses and the people of Israel have been. Uh, what's the word? They've, they've, they've been. They've escaped from Egypt, and they've walked across the uh, sea, and uh, they've gone into the desert. They've been in the desert for a while and grumbling and, and what have you. And, uh, <clears throat> and this is where we pick up the story. Now, I'll give you some information. Uh, Moses is the leader of the people. He's the leader. Uh, he's God's anointed one. <laughs> Aaron has been by his side the whole time. And uh, he is the... The first ever priest of the people. And Miriam, she is the prophetess. Uh, she is uh, so they're all pretty much leading in some capacity. Uh, so let's let's find out what happens here. This is a, this is a bit of an odd story. Uh, Miriam, uh, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That's pretty big. I mean, Jesus hasn't turned up yet, so he can still have that position at this moment. More humble than any other man. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Come out to the tent of the meeting tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face. Clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned towards her and saw that she had been and, uh, and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, "Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed." Do not let her be like the stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can come, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. That's a crazy story, right? That's absolutely mad, absolute madness. God was totally angry, uh, and Moses was totally humble. Now, this is, this is something that I just want to pick up on. The attributes of humility is to consider others before yourself. Now, Moses, the most humble man on earth, he did not consider it an offence against him. Aaron and Miriam basically been been talking about him behind his back and absolutely cussing him out probably uh, you know probably to others they thought they were as good as him uh, and you know it feels really bad when, when people are out of order to you but you know it feels even worse when it's people in your own family who should have your back it hurts more doesn't it but Moses he didn't take offence he didn't take offence at all In fact, he only gets one line in this story. And he says, please, please, Lord, heal her. He could have said, well, you know, I'm the leader. You've got what you deserved. Shouldn't cuss me as leader, should you? But he didn't do that. Because he didn't see himself as something big at all. In fact, he saw himself as absolutely nothing. And he cried out, and the Lord listened. Because guess what? The Lord listens to humble people. You know, this is a lesson to all of us. We don't have the right to be offended. You know, because being offended, you know what being offended is? It's your pride taking a hit and you know pride is is not the heart of God in you at all humility is the heart of God in you and so if you're someone who's getting offended all the time you know you need to take a look at yourself and say Lord please come and deal with me, please come and deal with my pride you know and, and it's a great lightness in you, if you can get hold of humility you know Pride and being offended is a weight on your shoulders. It's something to carry. You know what? And if you can rid yourself of it, you've got nothing to carry. And you know, you've got a lightness in your step and a joy. Uh, <clears throat> now, I just want to pick up on something else here. If we quickly scoop back, verse 3 says this. It says, uh, Now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than any, anyone else On the face of the earth. Do you know who wrote Numbers? Moses. We been so thankful for that. That's not very humble, is it? You can't write that by yourself. I'm the most humble person on the earth. If I came up here today and said, you know what, our river church, I'm the most humble. He'd say, no you're not, mate. You just proved it. But Moses wrote this. And it's God's word. Now, I'm sure... Now we believe that all of this Bible is inspired by God and we've just read it, haven't we? We've just read it. What's it say? When I speak to Moses, I speak face to face. Now, God must have said, right, I want you to write this book. I am going to call it Numbers. And I want you to write that Moses is the most humble man. And Moses must have thought, oh, I can't write that, Lord. Oh, I wouldn't want to show off. But do you know what that is? It's a little bit of that pride, and do you know what Moses did? He said, "Look, Lord, you're telling me to do it. I'll do it. It's not about me. This is your story, Lord. I'll write it. And you know, what? when we get hold of of humility, some people will say you're prideful. But that's what true true humility says. I'll tell it straight, just like it is. And if I, and if I and I, I won't um, hold back, even if it." it You know, makes me look prideful, I don't care what other people think of me. But this is this is it, and this is the kicker, and this is why I picked up on this story. You know what? When God speaks to me I want it to be face to face. Does that make sense? I don't want I want him to come and I want to be in his presence more than anything. I want to be face to face with him. And I'll tell you what, through the Holy Spirit you can. Through the Holy Spirit you can. Be face to face. And that's what I'm hungry for. You know what, I used to be hungry for miracles and things like that. And you know, I still am. I still want to see God's power at work and I was gutted. I couldn't do healing on the streets. Yesterday I was spending some time looking at this stuff. But God's presence is is more important than than God's power. And my relationship with God is more important. And that's what I want to be hungry for. More of God himself. And you know what? It's the the humble ones that God will be face to face with. Not the proud ones. The ones who I can say, I can do it myself. You say, well, go and do it yourself then. (laughs) You obviously don't need me. You know... Let's have a let's have a look at another character, shall we? David. Now, one thing that struck me is all the characters I picked up on. All the characters I picked up on in this in this this thing about humility and being humble—they were leaders. Moses, David, Jesus. These are the main ones I picked up on. The most humble leaders I, I, don't, I couldn't I was thinking well you know leadership is normally people want to be leaders because they want to be someone but God picks the leaders who are the most humble he picks people who are very humble to lead it's all it's isn't it and you know what you might say well I'm not a leader so I don't need to f- focus on on being humble but the truth is everybody's a leader everybody's a leader you might say no I'm not you know, we all have a responsibility to lead people to Christ. If you're a father, or if you're a husband, you're, you're, you're a leader in your family. If you're a mother, you're, you're a leader in your family. You know, if you're a friend, you've got a responsibility to lead your friends to the Lord. And, and good leading happens through humility. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, let's have a look at David. Another character. Now, David was God's anointed. He was he was the anointed of God. And uh, and that's great, isn't it? And if I was the anointed of God, I'd be like, you know, it'd be out there when the chest would be out there. Amen. I think I might preach again this Sunday. <laughs> you know, but. One thing that struck me was that David was always humble and he always saw himself as, 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 as not much. You know, uh, Saul offered him his wife, uh, his daughter for a wife. So he didn't offer him his wife. <laughs> that wouldn't have been right, would it? <laughs> uh, he offered him his wife, uh, his daughter for a wife. Uh, I'm stuck now. Um, and do you know what he said? He said, I'm, Who am I? I'm no one. I'm a no-one. I'm a nobody. I'm not good enough to be associated with God's anointed, even though God had anointed him. And uh, even when Saul hated him and was chasing him, and, and God was with David, and uh, uh, Saul was chasing after him, and, and they, they stopped, and Saul went to go toilet in a cave. Now, David and and all his bands were hiding at the back of the cave. And so there was Saul, with his pants down, going for a waz. And you know what? David's men are going to David, David, look, look, God's delivered him up into your hands. Look, God's doing it. Now's your chance. Strike him while he's got his pants down. Take up everything that God has for you. This is surely God delivering him into your hands. And you know, you might have thought, right, now's my chance. I'm going to claim the throne. God's anointed me. You know, Nathan said it. Not Nathan. Yeah, maybe Nathan. Anyway, what does he do? He says, no, I won't touch him. He said he's still God's anointed. I will not raise a hand on God's anointed. It's not up to me. It's up to God. And don't you love that? It's not about me. It's about God. That's humility. When the opportunity arises for you to get your own back, and you don't take it. That's humility. And it's hard to resist, isn't it? It's hard to resist when your opportunity... When your opportunity, when someone falls, and you told them not to, the opportunity say. Well, I told you so, didn't I? But humility says, oh brother, come on, let me help pick you up. And even this, how about this? You know, um, David wasn't perfect, but he, uh, he messed up bad, didn't he? Remember David? He, got, he, he slept with somebody else's wife, and then he had them killed. And he really messed up bad, you know. And he was the king, though, so everyone did what he said. And, uh, and he got called out on it by Nathan the prophet, didn't he? Nathan called him. And do you know what? He fell on his knees, didn't he? And he said, oh, do you know what? I'm an absolute mess. I've messed it up. And do you know what I love about David? Is when he realised he was a mess-up, he didn't do this. I'll sweep that under the carpet. And uh, we won't tell anybody, we'll cover it up. He didn't do that. He went and told all the people what he did and he put everybody into into mourning and fasting over it. He showed everybody he was a complete failure. He wouldn't hide it. Because he had no pride. Absolutely no pride in himself. Isn't that amazing? And this is what it says about David. Acts 13, says, After removing Saul, we made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Well, that's where the place that I want to be in. I want to be a person that God says, Yes, he's for me, he's with me. He's after me. And you know what? Humility is this consistent characteristic of all the men and women who sought after God. Um, <clears throat> you know what? One more man. I don't want to spend ages on him, but I can't not mention him. Jesus. Now, what about Jesus? Now, I'll tell you what, uh, when I'm under pressure uh, and I've got big things on my mind, you know what, I slip into this autopilot sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen that often, but do you know what, when, I, when I'm under pressure and I've got a lot of things on my mind, I, I, I get really um, ungracious at times, ungracious, snappy. I don't do it on purpose. It just comes out of me. You know? I can be a bit outbursty. You say, oh no. I can. It, and I don't do it on purpose. It just it rises up. You know? And uh, Because do you know what? The truth is, I'm thinking about what I need to sort out. I'm thinking about me and what I need to do and how things are affecting me. And that's. Who's the captain of that self? And uh, I just want to show you that Jesus, he wasn't thinking about himself any step of the way. You know, wasn't he fantastic? He was closing in on the cross. He knew he was. He knew he'd been closing in on the cross from day one. And yet he put it out of his mind and focused on the people he was with. And he kept doing that, and he kept doing that, and he kept doing that. All the way through his life, he, he would put himself aside, and what other people thought of him. And this is what I love about Jesus, is he wouldn't stop loving someone or stop being with someone because other people thought he, he should. He would, never, um, he would rather people thought bad of him and he did what was right, all the way through. And you know what? Um, <clears throat> he wouldn't stop telling the truth either, and this is the thing. He might say, well, when I read Jesus from, from an out, he does seem a bit, he can seem a bit full of himself at times. I used to read Jesus sometimes, he was a bit harsh. But he wasn't. He was just being honest. Now, we've talked about humility, uh, uh, being absolutely honest about oneself. And Jesus was... Because he said, I'm the son of God. And you might say, well, well, you're equal with God. And that's what they'd done him for, didn't they? That's what they'd done him for in the end. They said, you're full of pride. He wasn't. And that's what they they put him on the cross for. Saying he was equal with God. But what I love about Jesus is just being honest. He hadn't got any of this false humility. Oh, well, I'm nothing. In God, he was willing to be who God had made him. And we must be too. If God has made you to lead, don't, step, don't take a step back and not do it. If God has given you a task, go for it. And in your heart say, this is what God has given me to do and I will not stop. And Jesus, what does he do? You know, uh, at, at, at the Last Supper... And he's got the cross ahead of him and all his disciples, and he is focused purely on them and teaching them these last few things. The last few things, and what does he do? He gets down and he washes their feet. Amen. Humble servant. Nothing more, but so much more. (laughs) And when he's on the cross. Who's he got time for on the cross? No time for himself. What's he saying as they're crucifying him? Father, forgive them. He's not focused on himself, he's focused on them. People got make time for people. Jesus made time for people. What about that other man on the cross? Lord, remember me. He's got time. He makes time. He's not about himself. He's all about you. <laughs> He's humble. Jesus was so humble. I just want to challenge you this morning. Is this something you want to step into? Are you willing to put yourself down a bit? And I'm not saying put myself down in in uh, cast myself. But are you willing to put yourself lower down in the order? Because this world's order says, me first, family, things like that. And God's order says, God first, other people, and me. And if we can all get hold of that, wow, we we could turn this place upside down, this whole community. Shall we do it together? Let's pray.